Welcome to the Ordinals Podcast, produced by Ord Media, featuring the top builders, projects, and investors pioneering Bitcoin inscription protocols and the future of digital artifacts. All right. So you have these million dollar inscriptions and you're trusting these guys with your inscriptions. How does that make you feel? Hopefully better, not worse. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is a very important panel because this is the wallets. This is where, where it all lives. It doesn't live on AWS cloud. This is where everything is protected with your private key. There's pros and cons to so all these wallets. They have their strengths, they have their weaknesses, but all these guys I know are hustling hard to make the best wallets. Different approaches, but I think they're all sincere in what they want to do and they all love Bitcoin. I know my two gentlemen on my right, Joshua, I just kind of met very lately. Um, so we talked in the Twitter space. So um, just want this to be a discussion. So let's start off with the very, well, let's introduce yourselves first. Start with Ken and then work your way down. Hey everyone, uh, I'm Ken. Uh, I'm the CEO of Xverse. So Xverse is a Bitcoin wallet for Web3. And uh, we were the first ones to launch uh, support for Ordinals as a full standalone wallet. Uh, we also support other uh, Web3 protocols uh, built on top of Bitcoin. And I'm uh, <clears throat> Mark. I'm the lead of the Hero Wallet. Uh, we were the original and sort of most popular Stacks wallet for a long time. Uh, in February, we started with Ordinals as well. We have Ordinal support, BRC20, uh, Stamps, and we're looking to be the most powerful Bitcoin wallet for Web3. I'm Josh Petty, also known as Elon Moist on Twitter. I am the CEO and co-founder of OrdinalsWallet.com. Great. And you know what's interesting really quick is how different blockchains have brought people to ordinals. So I know you guys have worked on different blockchain stacks and other ones. So it's so interesting to see that people who have different views can work together. We're all in ordinals. So I just thought that's a neat little tidbit of history. Um, so the first question is for you guys, what is your number one priority for a wallet? So Josh, we'll start with you and then go along the most important thing about a wallet. Most important thing about a wallet, it's to make the user experience of Bitcoin as good as possible. And really, and, and you're competing with all of these big companies and software in general where there's a lot of money invested in having a really high fidelity user experience. So that's our number one priority is making the experience of using BTC the best in the world and so that people can really enjoy it and they can finally start to use it, trade with it and experience different types of user experience as well. So really, user experience is our top priority. It's about making it as fun and as beautiful as possible so that as many people can use BTC as possible. Yeah, I'd say reliability. Uh, wallets are sort of simple in some ways. They should do sort of simple things or certain things very well. Uh, every time you open it up, whether to view your balance or your assets, uh, to send or receive or trade, uh, it should just work. Uh, you should be able to hit a couple buttons and have it take place uh, without a hitch and quickly. And that's actually kind of hard to deliver on. I think um, I've been working on this wallet now for a few years, and even sort of basic things we have to sort of return to and uh, make better over time, especially with ordinals. Uh, just sending, receiving, viewing ordinals consistently, the last few months has been just an iterative process to make that as smooth as possible. And so, um, yeah, we're here to make sure that you kind of don't have to think about us. You kind of use us on a daily basis, uh, but you don't think twice. It just sort of works. Uh, yeah, for us, I think, you know, on top of what you guys mentioned, user experience and reliability, you know, obviously really important, um, but also security, right? Because for a wallet, if you don't have security, you know, at the end of the day, like, there's, that's, that's all you're doing, right? 
Um, so we spend a lot of time making sure that uh, the wallet functions correctly and there's no security loopholes or anything like that. Um, and we undergo like security audits. Um, so yeah, we spend a lot of time on uh, security. Yeah, you can see the diversity of opinions on there. Um, so I had a question. Why don't we have, you know, we have a desktop wallet. Hero has a desktop, but really most people use kind of the browser wallet, I would say. So why don't we have Sparrow, but for ordinals? Um, Josh, want to start first and then? Well, generally speaking, people don't want to get in the weeds of how all of this is working. They just want to experience it. And most of all, they want to use the BTC brand. So we put an emphasis on just making it so BTC, using BTC is as seamless as possible. So when it's, it all started, Sparrow was the main wallet as we sort of got off the ground and we started out as a block explorer actually. And then, you know, we're helping people inscribe and so on. And then we, while we were developing the wallet itself, everybody was using Sparrow, but we started to see that very early that most people would look at Sparrow, go to the website, we would refer it actually in the very beginning. And they pretty much were just like, no thanks. It's just not really something that they're comfortable getting into. And then you have to realize we're talking about like liability and security and all that. You have liability. You use this thing. And it, if it scares you when you look at it, you're pretty worried about how you're going to spend your Bitcoin. Maybe people were losing their inscriptions. That still happens sometimes. So I think developing the user experience first that got the most people in that were excited about it was key. Now it's one of our focuses right now on our roadmap to sort of go ahead and, and develop a user experience where users are understanding what's going on. So if it's you know, too expensive, too slow, they can't use their money, you know, they have to understand how Bitcoin works. Sometimes people don't know that. And then it's about like choosing and managing your UTXOs and doing that in a way where they don't really have to think about what's the technical definition of a UTXO. What they really want to make sure is they don't lose their inscription, that they spend the right amount of money. Perhaps they can mint now where they choose the right UTXOs to do three mints in a row. The, a big problem with when we do mints is that people will mint uh, an NFT, they'll pay for it, right? Uh, but they have to wait for it to get mined because maybe they don't have enough UTXOs or, or the system's not intelligently using those UTXOs to make it so they can spend more if they would like. So ironically, what's going to end up happening is we're going to start eating back into that sort of, I don't know if everybody knows what Sparrow is. Basically, Sparrow is a wallet you download, and you can see all of your UTXOs. You can see all your transactions. It's very like technical, almost like a development like interface, and we're going to start to work back towards that so the user has more control and more understanding of what's going on under the hood. But you start with the simple. Get people excited, get people understanding, and get people in the door and experience this, this really special thing that's ordinals. Now we can kind of figure out how to define that you know, more expert user experience. So anybody can come and join. Your grandma can come and join ordinalswallet.com. It takes about 10 seconds to get up, if that. That's all you really need to do at first, and then we work our way back into that. And that's just our philosophy is really just like this user experience, and I'll probably say that word 10 times today. You know, so, it's really what we do. Yeah, so starting off with something simple in the browser and then try to work backwards. So Mark. Was the question, why do we have Sparrow? For no, or? so why isn't there, like I use Sparrow have from day one, and so when I'm more comfortable with the full desktop, right, full node and everything. So the question was, why, aren't, why don't we have a Sparrow desktop level wallet, but for, for, just ordinals. for ordinals. I think mainly because people want to do things with ordinals via apps. And so uh, people start off inscribing ordinals uh, using something like Gamma, Ordinals Bot. Um, then they, they, they go to trade elsewhere, uh, Gamma, Magic Eden, et cetera. 
And so an extension wallet powers that much more easily than a desktop wallet. Uh, you can connect the extension wallet just with a click of a button. You can just install it very quickly. Uh, and then just you have prompts. You say, I want to trade. I want to inscribe. Um, and everything can take place like in a MMS kind of way. Um, we, we do have a desktop version of Hero Wallet. Uh, it really just supports stacks at this point. Uh, all the Bitcoin and Ordinals functionality is in the wallet or in the extension version of the wallet. Uh, because the idea is we want to power applications that let you to do, do more with Ordinals uh, than in a desktop uh, sort of realm. That said, <clears throat> I do think there's sort of this, not cold storage, but like this sort of more separated, I want to just kind of uh, manage and um, sort of save my inscriptions outside of sort of a trading realm kind of experience that I think will evolve over time. And I think the desktop uh, wallet experience will serve that. I just think right now <clears throat> the sort of phase we're in is very much inscribe very fast, trade very fast, uh, not thinking as long-term about your holdings. Um, but over time, as people do get sort of larger collections of more worth, uh, they feel more comfortable on the desktop. I think you know security is actually pretty on par, I think, between an extension wallet uh, properly built, like storing keys properly away from web apps. Uh, but people do have this perception that desktop wallets, uh, native desktop wallets, are more secure. And I think that's fine. And we can sort of, uh, with that form factor, sort of serve that long term and, and have maybe like what you're describing. Although I think, I'm not sure we want to go to like a fully advanced Sparrow experience. Because uh, I, I think we need to reveal more powerful features for users so that they can do more things with their ordinals that aren't possible currently through our three products. Uh, but I think Sparrow is such a raw technical product that that's not necessarily the, I think, the, the outcome we're looking for as a user experience. Um, more control, but more usability at the same time. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so Ken, what's your take? Why, why not a desktop wallet? You guys are mobile and... Yeah, yeah. So I think, uh, you know, form factor-wise, why there uh, isn't a wallet uh, for ordinals on desktop, I think it's because one, you know, it's difficult to connect your browser applications to a desktop wallet. And also, uh, if you look at the users, right, most, I would say like a large percentage of users that are using ordinals right now, they come from other ecosystems, other chains, uh, for example, Ethereum or Solana. And these people are used to the experience that MetaMask provides, right? So if you introduce like a completely different experience, then you might not have created this kind of ecosystem, right? So that's one. Um, and then in terms of like feature-wise, uh, you know, I agree with you guys. Like, we want to start at the user experience level, and just makes everything very simple to do. And then you know we can dive a little deeper and you know enable the advanced features uh, instead of you know just throwing everything out uh, at the user and then you know hope that they can learn with a, having a really steep learning curve. Right? Yeah, UTXOs shouldn't be in our UIs <clears throat> like long term. I think. Yeah, like, that might be controversial, but like, we should abstract those things away from users. Like, do the same things as if you knew about them, but you don't have to think about them. I think is the goal. I don't disagree. However, the technical use case for Bitcoin requires some management of the UTXO, and sometimes the user has to make a decision on the buying decision. You know, so I think it's going to be hard to never present some kind of user experience where they're going to be thinking about a UTXO or choosing you know, what amounts of UTXOs they should use and so on. Um, so that's going to be pretty difficult. And I just wanted to point out something, too. This is a wallet panel, and we're ordinalswallet.com, but we're the number one place to trade uh, ordinals NFTs. It's a marketplace, actually. That kind of happened organically because we were able to start with this browser because there's the extension, there's the mobile app, uh, and we're browser-based, uh, which comes with its own sort of liabilities. But uh, what happened is that we were able to get so much traction, and it was so easy 
for people to get in there that we actually became the, mar the top marketplace in ordinals. So we've sustained that pretty well over the last few weeks. And um, that's having that type of mentality of like allow the user to get in the door and then develop the room afterwards, like build the house after the door allows us to do a lot of really interesting things really fast as a business. And that's a part of being a wallet. Sometimes you have to like, you know, you, you think you're a wallet, but you actually are more. Yeah, it's, it's weird. I think, I think you're all kind of saying the same thing maybe Mark said at first, but it's because of the other apps, whether that's right. trading, whether that's inscribing, that's why, because you're not just simply cold storing ordinals, you're trading them, you're inscribing right. them. It's meant to be used. Yeah. yeah, there's a question here. How much should the wallets also be at? be the apps themselves, right? <clears throat> we see this with ordinalswallet.com. We see it with Unisat. They also have their own marketplace. Um, should we, as wallet providers, sub sort of consume, subsume the sort of app functionality that we want to power? Or do we want to take sort of more of an API approach and say there'll be lots of different apps that we want to integrate with and power, um, and we don't choose which apps should sort of take priority in our user experiences? Yeah, I want to go on that. And maybe it was Mark or someone said like a MetaMask experience. So a slightly different track is, you know, logging into apps with your wallet to do something, just as your identity. Like for Trajan.app, you log in with your wallet. Right now it's Stacks. So where do you guys see that going? Maybe start with Ken. Instead of just a wallet being solely, I have my coins there. Um, do you see something specific with ordinals in logging with your wallet, like a MetaMask experience, but for like ordinal apps? If that makes sense, Ken. Yeah, so we, we do have uh, you know, infrastructure right now to allow applications to sign users in with the wallet uh, for ordinals on top of Bitcoin. Um, but I think in the future, uh, having something like a naming system would be really important directly on the layer one. Um, I think you guys already kind of looked into the naming system on layer twos like Stacks. Uh, but there's been developments, for example, the dot .sats names and, uh, and others on, on layer one using ordinals. Um, I think there's a future um, for these kind of names, although like, it is quite expensive to register on layer one, uh, these names, because like, even, even just minting an ordinal, it would cost you like $20, right? At the current, or at the very low uh, transaction fees. Uh, think about like, maybe like five years into the future where uh, transaction fees are at like 500 sats per byte uh, consistently, right? Then it becomes like prohibitive for any application to make use of names because you don't want to have to force users to like pay $100 to start using applications, right? Um, but uh, you know, I think there's still a lot of work to be done in, in terms of like naming on the Bitcoin space. Yeah, I mean, currently this is possible. You could connect one of our wallets to an app, uh, get the address of the user, the Bitcoin address, uh, then query an indexer for any sort of inscriptions that are associated with it that are identifiers of the user and say, okay, if the user has this particular inscription or type of inscription, we let them in or we give them certain permissions. Uh, it's not easy right now. We don't, as a wall provider, <clears throat> give you direct access. You can't query us and say, uh, ask us, does this user have this inscription? And we, we can't say yes or no, not yet. But it's actually just a matter, I think, of wiring things up and providing that as like, convenience methods via the wallet uh, so that uh, developers can very plug and play um, have these sort of advanced identification sort of schemes when it comes to connecting users. Okay. Yeah. I think that um, wallets are, are essentially the, uh, the authorization uh, or signature to get into anything. Eventually, it'll be really anything. You can go onto any website and log in with your Ordinal's wallet. It won't have to be necessarily a Bitcoin 
uh, on the back end. But I do think that um, there's a competitive advantage uh, for a browser-based system like we are developing versus app structures because uh, probably for two reasons. Um, one, if you have a uh, app that you put in the app store, you have some kind of um, uh, agreement with the app stores themselves. And uh, particularly with NFTs, you can't do Apple app stores. You can't allow the purchasing in the app itself. You have to link out um, to the web anyways, which would require the user to, you know, there's a few ways you could do it, but you end up in the website anyways. Let's just say that. Uh, I also think that Ordinal's wallet, uh, for example, you can just inscribe text. So inscribing just means putting text onto BTC. And what will probably happen is people will start to demand a more purposeful search function on the website, and they're going to use it to basically be a browser itself. So we talked about the Sp uh, Sparrow desktop. So what we're really talking about is a desktop um, app that you would have, like um, Google Chrome. I think that's definitely going to be a pretty powerful use case where people will have this desktop app, and it'll actually do a lot of functions. You could, you could have it like uh, your chat GBT uh, plugin and your Google and so on, but also be integrating and searching with Bitcoin, and it'll probably start that way. It'll probably start like signing with your Ordinal's wallet, and you know, there's like a few different things you can do, maybe join a chat room because you have a Pixel Pepe, things like this. But it will advance very quickly into competing with the general internet and software space. I, I think that's where it's going. It's going to be the wallet. What we're really building is, is, is sort of like a very primitive operating system where we'll use Bitcoin to sort of resolve and offer certain types of information and, and trade and transactions. So. It's, it's becoming that very quickly, I think. I'm curious, do you all want to be an extension as well? The, the well we built extensions in the past, yeah. um, the, and uh, that would be quite easy. Actually, we could just like fork another one right now and, and kind of do it uh, Unisat, or we can have, we have some existing code and experience doing it. We've, we've been building all kinds of software for a long time, especially myself. Um, the, the real focus is that when you're moving so quick, everything's competing so fast, and companies like your guys, is, we, we really enjoy it's really funny how this is working. We often refer people to these your, the products you're building um, because they're so good, so fast. Why do we have to go and compete with you? We would rather try to innovate in a different angle, and we can leverage the technology that you guys have built. Um, uh, very many people use Xverse, for example. Uh, often, Hero is coming up in the conversation. So, we don't. I'm not trying to constantly be bumping heads and competing. I'm trying to quickly uh, capture market and territory and grow my business and invite new people to use it for new reasons. So I, I think that it's really good that in BTC, it's probably the only place in the world right now, and, and especially in this general like economic political state where things move so fast and people are actually cooperating in a competitive level. Uh, it's like a good, it's just like a good uh, a professional sports league, you know? Yeah, yeah it's, it's very interesting to see people working towards the same goal who take different approaches, different backgrounds, especially if you've been in Bitcoin for a long time and you know uh, the complicated history that we have. Um, I want to switch over to hardware wallets. Now, we can, there's a lot to talk about hardware wallets, but <laughs> let's take a positive note. You know, unlike Bitcoin, there's not much to see. With ordinals, there is something to see, like Rider, Right, like they're working on a hardware wallet. Are you guys seeing anything out there that would be something like you know Apple Watch, but for ordinals? We have Rider, but is there anything exciting that hardware wallets can do for ordinals that they can't do for Bitcoin? I'll let any of you take that, or maybe the answer is no. I would like to take it because it relates exactly to what I just said with the App Store experience. The Apple and, and Google is a lot more um, uh, liberal about what you can do in the App Store, and they have been in the past 
um, and Apple's getting more restrictive. Uh, they have really restrictive content poli policies since COVID. You can't say certain things. Uh, at any point, the app can be removed or content itself in the app that is hosted on the App Store can be removed. I think a lot of people aren't aware of that. The phones and the devices, everything's headed towards how do we further integrate Bitcoin with the hardware to be an operating system. And so you see like Solana phones popping up. I think we're definitely trending that direction with Bitcoin. It's just going to be the Bitcoin phone. Um, it's not going to be a meme anymore. It's going to be real. And we're going to just use that as like the private enclave. It's going to hold the keys. You're going to authorize everything, sign into everything, pay, do all of that. Even It'll even have like Apple Pay and, all the, and PayPal and, and all these other things we already use, but it'll offer that one extra bit. And then the key feature of it is you have all these Bitcoin opportunities with trade, particularly with NFTs right now. It'll be physical goods quite soon as well. The device and being on the hardware allows you to have full control. If you're a company like mine, you want to actually start to think about the hardware because I can't put my full app into the App Store and Apple. Uh, obviously, it'd be really good if I could. And, and if they change tomorrow, I would do that. But it restricts me and I have to spend a lot of energy for maybe a little less return. You, it's starting to become more economical to think about you know, go grabbing this, uh, this, this cheap phone where you sort of like start to piggyback off of existing open source operating systems and then tie in the Bitcoin authorization, the, you know, using the Bitcoin uh, ledger and so on. So I, I think it's really going that direction. And that's what I see happening. I, I'm just not sure if it's in six months or in six years. It, that's super hard to say uh, because you always run into certain speed bumps along the way when you think about this stuff. But it's already becoming very real in my mind that we'll have to start to consider how to develop more directly on our own hardware or more flexible hardware because the app stores and these general big companies aren't really taking kindly to uh, Bitcoin itself. And it's, it's been that way for a while. Yeah, so phone. So Ken, Mark, hardware wallets specific to ordinals. Does it make sense? Yeah, I think in, in some ways it does. Uh, you know, going back to maybe like the identity or naming system, I think there is potentially a use case where, you know, you have your Bitcoin names stored as an ordinal in your, you know, like an Apple Watch or something similar, uh, or even potentially like a card, right? Because really all you need is a chip, and that could be as small as a card, IC chip on a card. And you can use that to, you know, access like buildings, events, right? So yeah, there's definitely some use case. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> I think it's kind of early to think about some of this stuff because uh, our wallets don't yet support the sort of basic hardware wallets. Um, we have Ledger support in Hero Wallet, but it only works for stacks right now. Um, we're close to releasing it for Bitcoin as well, and inclusive of ordinals. Um, but that's not special to ordinals. You're asking about you know, showing your ordinals or not just images, but other sorts of uh, inscriptions, uh, using them on a hardware device specifically. Um, so yeah, I think we can all sort of imagine things and it makes sense long-term. Rider, for example, is a, like you mentioned, is like a Stacks ecosystem uh, hardware device that's in development. My impression is that it allows you to view Stacks-based NFTs and that could be adapted to, to display ordinals as well. Um, but we'll have to see. I would just say too, it, it makes sense like economically, if the market grows and the NFTs get more valuable, this will happen. It, there'll be like a treasure, you know, you just connect your node to, you know, maybe Ordinal's Wallet's node or Hero's node or whatever, and you'll use your treasure or ledger to look at that because the value gets so big you have to cold store it. You know, it's, it, there, there's, a, there's some out there that are pretty high value, but it hasn't quite got to like the Ethereum level of $100,000, you know, is a pretty common thing. Not enough volume either. It, it's common, but yeah. it, it's once that, there's a tipping point there where it'll just be like, somebody's like, I can, make, I can sell these for $50, $100 each, 
and it starts to make sense and they're going to start doing it, you know, because you got a $100,000 asset that you need to make sure it goes in the cold storage. There's a market. It's coming. It's just, it's just a little bit too early, I think. Switching gears a little bit. So for you guys doing different wallets, different things, kind of what's your number one challenge right now that you guys are facing that you can share publicly at least? What is the number one challenge? Uh, we'll start with Ken and then come down that way. Yeah, I think for us, you know, we're, we're a small team, right? You always have to prioritize what you work on. And it's, it's difficult to figure out, like, what do people really want, right? If you look at the, the ordinal space, first it was ordinals, and then suddenly there's BRC20, and now there's, like, other standards. Can you actually keep up and continue to build for all these use cases, or should you, like, focus on, you know, what you think is going to work out, right? So we, we spend a lot of time thinking about, like, what is the next thing, next big thing, and what do users actually want? I think it's a big challenge for us. Yeah, I'd agree. I think there's a, a lot you can do in a wallet that's very sort of short-term and maybe I'd say reactive. Like you see what's happening in the market on Twitter in real time, and you want to sprint and support it and say, okay, we're going to support BRC20 because in the last two weeks it's blowing up, right? And that's very important to do. We have to be there and just in time for our users. At the same time, there's some stuff, lots of stuff in crypto that takes a long time to develop and design around. And it's really important for us as well, to, as wall providers, to, to be proactive on that. And so um, it, we also work, both of our wallets, uh, on the Bitcoin level, but also the Stacks level. And so that's sort of an L1, L2 sort of dynamic. And we want to create better bridges between those two. There's something called SBTC in the works on Stacks. Uh, we want to be ready so that when the demand uh, from ordinals on the, B1, or on, the, on the L1 of Bitcoin overflows into something like uh, Stacks or other L2s, that we're there to service that. And we can't just sort of wait until that moment comes because there's a lot of plumbing to put in place before that. Um, so we want to sort of balance that sort of very sort of fast, more short-term sort of feature development um, with the longer-term stuff so that um, there aren't sort of huge roadblocks that you know, all of our users are facing months down the road. Yeah, so you can't be too early or too late is one of the challenges. Josh, what's uh, kind of big challenge for you guys that you can share publicly? Well, we do, if you follow us, uh, we do things rather publicly. We like to do it live. We test in production. Our biggest problem right now is probably the uptime itself. This, this week, we've uh, pretty much every day had some downtime. We've had, uh, even though the BTC price is going down, we're having more uh, activity on our website than ever, uh, particularly when we did a mint. We did a Pepe and Pepita mint. We introduced a new character called Pepita. It's a female Pepe, uh, and it did really well. And we had 4,400 of them, and we tried to do it one day. They took the whole site down. We got half of them minted, let's say, and then we had to do it the next day again, and it's still, by the end of it, we made it just right to the end, and we still had a little bit of downtime. It's all about figuring out how to manage this new level of traffic. You know, we're getting 5, 10 million requests on a single button click. It's just something that we've never seen before. Uh, we've, you know, we're experienced, but this is a new level. And I think, additionally, it's, it's really what, how do we offer an experience to users that educate them on what is really going on? When you click a button and you want to buy an NFT, there, it costs $50. You know, we might be making only 5 or $10 off of that. There's the cost of the transactions on Bitcoin, uh, extremely expensive. Uh, it can be that it takes a long time. You might not get mining a block. Sometimes we had users that were stuck for multiple days because they set the fee really low. So we have to constantly be on top of that. And it takes a lot of energy and attention to make sure, you know, if we're going to do a mint that day, that, that we check the median fee on the, on the uh, blockchain to see, like, what's the right fee to, to recommend to the user. Um, this is very challenging. Uh, we have, so we have an uptime issue. 
We have uh, a generally just like a BTC kind of slow and expensive issue. And then we have our third issue is how do we, after we sort of plateaued here, we're peaking really, really hard on our website is, like I said, hitting a, an all-time high. How do we get more? What do we do to continue to grow and get new people? Who are the next people in? If we already have all the Ethereum people that are open-minded to this, if we have the Solana people, who's next? How do we continue to drive the market so that we're not getting stuck and stagnant? So it kind of comes into three things. I think our most immediate issue in my company right now is how we can just maintain at peak times, we can keep the website online because it just exponentially grows our, our profit margin. It offers the users the trust and, you know, they need to trust. If our website's offline, even if they don't lose money, they, they start to, it reflects poorly on you. You know, the vibes are bad. We have to keep the vibes good all the time. And part of that's by keeping the website up. So that's probably our primary challenge. Um, and like I said, we have challenges with, most people don't understand because they haven't actually used BTC in a while and they're coming back for the first time, which is really exciting. But they don't understand that it's actually quite expensive to do stuff at times. And when it's that expensive, you know, often people are like, why did it cost me $20 to send this transaction? I want a refund right now. This is something that happens to us every day, you know? And we have to deal with these customers. I, I, I had to bring in a whole support team just to deal with these types of questions um, so that I don't have to be in there and I can focus more on the business and the, the product. It's good to have the challenge of being, trying to be the right speed, not too fast, not too slow, putting up with demand, new features. I mean, imagine if you guys were like, yeah, not much to do today, right? Like, not much user growth. You have the opposite problem. Yeah. You're, you're probably it, bankrupt. Yeah, I mean, it's, so it's a good problem that all you guys have trying to keep up with new features. Uh, we're out of time, so 30 seconds for the final uh, question. What's the best case scenario for ordinals in 12 months? What do you think is like, wow, this would be wonderful in 12 months? It could be anything. 30 seconds or less. We need 10x the users. We need the fees to be one-tenth of what they are, and we need the speed to be a lot faster. That's the ideal scenario. If we get that, we can get a lot more people using Bitcoin. Everybody's going to stop using these other coins. They're going to use Bitcoin. That's our main objective uh, from the business and my personal objective, creating companies now for almost 10 years. How, many, how can we get more people using Bitcoin? Because right now, it's essentially a do-or-die scenario for Bitcoin, in my opinion. We have to get more people using it fast. Mark? I mean, it's very similar, but I think on the developer side, I think we need more apps. And so I think a year from now, if we see a sort of a proliferation of apps that are built that make creative use of ordinals um, and the various protocols, sort of meta-protocols that are, that are built on it, um, and really expand this notion of there's something called Web3 on Bitcoin, right, and prove that out. I think what that'll do for subsequent years is show the rest of the crypto industry that, hey, this is legitimate. Like, in 2023, people are saying, oh, build on Bitcoin. We now have a, a plethora of people actually doing that, and they, ha they have users. I think that would cause a s sort of a cascade going into the future where people pile into this industry, and it will be just a, a totally different equation. We'll be here like overcrowded versus this kind of size of room. I like that, lots of apps. All right, Ken, final, what's what's the best case scenario in one year that you want to see? Yeah, so I think one thing might be like uh, mainstream adoption. So mainstream artists, uh, not just, you know, people who are like DJs or whatever, uh, but like, and, and not, not just, you know, uh, images or art, but also it could be like music or something else. I think that would be really cool. Perfect, all right, let's give them a round of applause. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please rate and review our show. Subscribe to the Ordinals podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite app, and follow us on Twitter at The Ord Pod. 
drop us a line at podcasts at org.media for topics you'd like us to cover or guests you'd like us to interview. Ordinal's 2024 conference is taking place in Nashville. Early bird passes are available now. Visit org.media and sign up for our newsletter. Thanks for listening to the Ordinal's podcast, produced by Ord Media.